HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load Knows that country music's gonna save your soul The groove is groove in that rhythm and blues That's him It's gonna get you some in the end Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And anyone who's known me for a while knows that I'm kind of obsessed with vintage bar tools antique barware and glassware and i try to incorporate that stuff into my day-to-day professional life but a lot of times it doesn't work because you're like ah man i've got this really beautiful mixing glass that fell off the shelf or you know a julep strainer goes missing and the person who has that julep strainer knows who i'm talking about um but so after a long time of of Collecting antique and vintage barware and using it, losing it, and breaking it or misplacing it, uh, we have gotten to this point now where there's some really great producers of modern barware that has a very classic and and just like kind of like heritage feel to it. And over the summer, this past summer, uh, this July actually, uh, at Tales of the Cocktail, I had the great fortune of meeting the three great folks from Portland, Oregon, who started a while back uh, as a an antique and vintage barware uh, company. They were collecting stuff and selling it, and I got to chat with them this summer, became buddies real fast, and I use their mixing glasses and bar tools exclusively now at my bar at Grand Army. And on the phone today... We have my buddy Lucas Plant from Bull in China. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. How's it going? It's good, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah, good to talk to you, brother. Sorry you can't be here, but uh, phone is uh, a second a second best. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there soon. All right, cool, man. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for being on the show today. Uh, yeah, like I was saying before, you know, I met you guys this summer, and I was just like, man, I, I you know, I had checked out your website uh, before that. 
But even before you guys started producing bar tools, you guys were collecting a lot of really cool stuff, right? I mean, like, it, did it start out like I? It's it's just like a passion project for you guys. I mean, you're all bartenders and working in the bar industry, but was this something that you just like realized after a while, like? Holy shit! I have so many vintage <laughs> barware, like glassware. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it just um, uh, a friend of ours was opening a vintage store, and you know we had a, a lot of vintage glassware. You know, it becomes an obsession. You just see pieces and you have to buy them, and you have to have them. And then you look at it and you're like, Why the hell do I have 300 vintage coupes? <laughs> what am I going to do with them? They're great for photo shoots, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely are, and I still got a bunch of them for shoots. But uh, yeah, we just decided to sell them. And you know that that was uh, that was how Bull in China was born. And then we just uh, you know we just kept pushing it further and further and further. And living in Portland, Oregon, there's so many skilled artisans in this town, whether it be glass blowers, metal workers, the whole nine yards. And um, you know we just started to quest or ask people if they you know would be willing to start uh, producing custom bar tools for us. And it just it was born. Man, that's awesome. You know it's. Uh, it's been, you know, for for modern bar tools and things that you can actually use in service for a long time. It's been it's been really difficult to find stuff that's new, yeah, unique and, and new to us. And yeah, uh, we, you know, I, I don't know how much, how many thousands and thousands of dollars I've given to barproducts.com for the, you know, <laughs> the the, <laughs> the, the the same, you know four spouts and you know like yeah. the 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 reorder it's like it looks like my seamless order history you know it's like <laughs> there's a thousand four spouts and yeah. like uh one and a half a three-quarter jigger times eight or you know um but yeah uh yeah so you guys started working with these different local guys to start doing and like what was i mean i guess the mixing glass would have been the first one that you started producing right yeah, the mixing glass was, uh, you know, it's kind of our flagship item. It was uh, born born out of necessity. Um, my friend Daniel and myself were working at a bar together, and, you know, somebody always breaks one. Somebody always chips one. It just shit happens. And uh, we just looked at each other one night, and we're just like, let's do this. And, uh, yeah, we just uh, we found a glass blower. It just kind of, you know, his uh, studio just kind of fell in our lap a couple days later. And, uh, yeah, then we were in the studio just kind of R&Ding and trying to get stuff dialed in. And before we realized it, we were, uh, yeah, producing a butt-ton of mixing glasses. And, you know, <laughs> the bartending community has been so receptive to them. And, you know, they welcomed us with open arms. And everybody just, you know, they're flying off the shelves. It's great. Yeah, man, they're really sweet mixing glasses. Uh, for the listeners, if you haven't seen them, definitely go to the website and check them out. They're uh Handmade blown glass. It's really beautiful glass too. I'm not sure like what the the mix of like what you're doing with it, but it's uh, it's really beautiful and it's really striking. Like especially if you have a a bar with like windows and natural light, you know, you get it in the daytime, it just just glistens, man. It's really cool. Ah, I'm glad you love it, man. It's a um, a spruce pine glass compound, and uh, they tweaked it a little bit for our mixing glasses. And one of the best parts about that glass the, the glass compound that we used that was it was kind of an accident, a very awesome accident, was uh, the glass actually compensates for, like, expansion and contraction due to temperature differences. So that's why ours can go straight in dishwashers. I know people who keep them in freezers. Yeah, they're pretty solid. Well, that's awesome, man. I didn't – I'm glad – okay, I'm glad I found that out now instead of, like, on accident because uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've been uh, – yeah, I've been putting them in my dishwashers, you know, and, uh, you know, blast them at – insane heat but they man they're 
they're really really hardcore man (laughs) (laughs) they are man it's awesome it's the greatest balance because it's like it's they're they're really pretty but they're also like total workable like they're like you said you know they're meant to be used in service and people ask about them all the time you know i definitely like i use a lot of uh you know like I've used a lot of, like we were talking about before, you know, like vintage glassware and stuff. And for I, I keep a lot of it at the bar and I use it for mm-hmm. photo shoots and like for, you know, like social media stuff and like for books and magazine shoots and things like that and videos. But like I, I, I would love to be able to use all that stuff like in, in general use, you know, like in service. Yeah. But that's what's cool about this glass, you know, because I've had so many of the like Yarai mixing glasses that have just like kind of like blown out you know and yeah i I think uh i think also like part of the the reason that that that's happened too is you know they they kind of blew up you know and so the japanese mixing glass market i think the production may have been like just blown out and to where the quality might have gone down a little bit yeah, that's kind of how it seems. Is you know the demand just got so high that production just ramped up at such a level that quality kind of was, yeah it definitely seemed to go down a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's why I would, you know we keep ours handmade. It's you know it's it's a little bit of a pain in the butt because each one is handmade and takes a lot of time to get one out. But at the same time, it's you know we refuse to cut corners because being bartenders and knowing you know how bad does it suck when one of them breaks at like Friday at midnight when you still have like two hours, three hours left in service. Yeah, man. It's and har- then you got to wait like two weeks to get a new one. Dude, it's the most heartbreaking thing in the world. It's like <laughs> now I've got like a sixty-five dollar pen holder. You know, but even that, yeah. that just bumps me out. That's just a constant reminder. I'm <laughs> like looking over like a nice old, old like paddle glass and I'm just like, it's just covered in like, like it's like full of like paper clips and like, <laughs> like a, like a puddle of ink at the bottom. And it's like, I actually dude, yeah. yesterday. I, uh, I took one of my own mixing glasses and it had a bunch of ink in the bottom and I, uh, I took all the pens out and I poured some, uh, some, a little bit of hot water and some like vodka in there and just kind of like sploshed it around. And, uh, <laughs> this is such an asshole thing to do. Uh, <laughs> my, my AM there at the bar, I, uh, <laughs> I was like, dude, here's something I'm working on. It's like a new blue curacao drink. And I gave him a straw. <laughs> a straw taste. <laughs> I stopped him. That's I stopped awesome. him before, it, it, but I mean, it, it was, it was the it was the like the greatest thing that could have happened out of that outcome with a broken mixing glass, you know. It's like, I, That's so good. I probably should have done it. Uh, no, he's he's too nice. I would I, he wouldn't have done that to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you know, it's it's especially with uh, it's always like the breakable things like mixing glasses and bitters bottles, you know. That like I, I outside of like the glassware and the mixing glasses. I also collect a bunch of bitters bottles and like I, that it's just heartbreaking, man, because like, you know, these, these things are like, they're your tools, you know, they're not just things that you've like spent a long time looking up and like collecting, you know, and like sometimes daring to use them, even if it's a modern piece, you know, it's like, it, it really sucks, you know, and it's nice to have, these delicate mixing glasses and glassware, but it does, it does break your heart, man. I shed a tear every time one breaks, but like the cool thing is I've had these blue and China mixing glasses now for six months and they are just rocking strong, man. And they're still looking, 
incredible, you know, like so good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I go back to the glass. It's just really cool because, you know, I always have two of them in my station at the point of the bar, and uh, mm. I keep them up on top of the bar on like the drip tray, and uh, people ask about them all the time because they're like. Well, they asked me, first of all, if I made them. And I'm like, dude, I, I make the drinks. I don't make the tools. But they're like, but they're, they look handmade. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, they are handmade. You should check out Bull in China. Nice. <laughs> I mean, that's when I get to plug it. Um, but, yeah, they ask about it all the time. And uh, and it's just nice to be able to, to promote. Uh, yeah, we appreciate know, it a lot, man. Yeah, and it's, it's great because, you know, bartenders making this happen is, like, I don't know, it's cool. It's like. It's like serving the whiskey that you distilled on your own. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, that's where a lot of our stuff comes from. You know, being career bartenders, it's you know like the things that we all think about all during service. That you know, like shit, this would be a lot easier if this was designed this way or this was changed to be like that. And you know, it's you know you're in the heat of service, and it's easy to forget those things. Well, those are the things that we started to remember and write down and just brainstorm at like three thirty four in the morning after service and then go straight to the glass studio or the metal shop the next day and just go straight to our guys and just be like, Hey, we had this idea. Can we make it work? And we've, we've had some pretty messed up ideas <laughs> that uh, were completely not functional. When you come out to Portland, I'll show you the, the shelf of prototypes gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty damn funny. <laughs> I can't wait to see the Island of Misfit bar tools. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's what it is. There, there are some good ones, man. There, uh, yeah, there's definitely some good ones. I'll leave it at that and send you some photos that are going to make you laugh your ass off. Sweet. Um, hey, man, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll get back. Let's get into uh, some of the other stuff you guys are making and what's going on. With- I also want to know, since I missed Portland Cocktail Week, I need to hear some stories from that. So let's talk <laughs> about that when one. we get back in just a moment with Luke from Bull in China out of Portland, Oregon. Heritage Radio Network would sound like without donations. It's not as good as the show you were just listening to, is it? Give us a few bucks. Help keep us running. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Click the Donate tab on the top right corner. The following program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edward's Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edward's name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. All right, we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And we've been talking with Luke from Bull in China, a really awesome barware company based out of Portland, Oregon. And uh, yeah, man, the last time I, I unfortunately, I, I don't was it this year? And I think I missed last year. Uh, 
the Portland Cocktail Week as well. Maybe I did. No. Yeah, I did. So it's been two. It's been two years. <laughs> Even those of us that were there kind of don't remember if we were there or not for a good chunk of it. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah, uh, last time I was in Portland, actually the only time was for Portland Cocktail Week two years ago, and uh, I got three tattoos over the span of two days, <laughs> all at the same shop. Uh, you know, going to uh, CC Coffee that yeah. that really that, that'll get you going. And then, uh, then you're ready to go out drinking, and then you're like, All right, I gotta get another tattoo. Um, I guess that's kind of one thing that Portland's pretty well known for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, have you guys been speaking of things like Portland Cocktail Week uh, and like Tales of the Cocktail? Have you guys been getting out there much to do some different uh, promotional stuff, any seminars, uh, stuff like that with uh, Bull in China? Yeah, yeah, we have been. Uh, Portland Cocktail Week this year, it's crazy how much it's grown. Um, yeah, like at the convention center this year, like, yeah, the classes were at the convention center, whereas last year they're, <clears throat> excuse me, the past couple of years they're at Kennedy School, it's, it's, it's you know, which is a much smaller venue. And, uh, yeah, I was on a panel this year for uh, retail, retail startup. And it was uh, just really interesting. I was on a panel with a great bunch of people, uh, Jennifer from Small Hands and the lovely ladies from Umami Mart. And, uh, yeah, just talking about, you know, starting up a business and trying to keep a, like a, a positive place in the industry, you know, keeping the, the business beneficial for everybody involved, you know, and just trying to provide quality products and the trials and tribulations and the, the heartaches of being a small business owner. Yeah. What were some of the uh, the most challenging things outside of like, uh, you know, like the testing and R&D and trying to get things right? What were some of the, the biggest challenges you guys faced for getting this off the ground? Uh, I'd say one of the biggest challenges was, you know, a lot of people told us it couldn't be done, uh, which, you know, gave us all the more motivation to do it. Um, a lot of people looked us dead in the eye and were like, that's not going to happen. Uh, you're not going to get these products manufactured in the United States. You're going to have to go to China. You're going to have right. to go to India. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit little bit disheartening at first because we hit walls left and right. Then we're like, shit, man, I guess everybody, you know, I guess everybody is right. And then we just got more, de- you know, the determination and the fire got lit. And we're like, no, hell no. We're going to make these in the States. And then, you know, everything just started falling into place. Uh, vendor, or, I'm sorry, artisans at first, you know, studios and manufacturing facilities wouldn't really talk to us because, you know, we're a small startup. You know, we wanted to prototype something and then make 50 of them to see if we would sell. And, you know, they kind of considered us small potatoes, and which was kind of a blessing for us because it kept us from going down a lot of wrong avenues. But now those companies are, you know, we work with a lot of them now, and, you know, everything just kind of fell into place. That was, I would say that's the hardest part was sourcing ways to get this stuff made in the country. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's challenging for for just about anything, man. It's even like running a bar. It's like <laughs> you know, yeah. paying the rent that we pay nowadays. It's like I could, like in well, in our cities, you know, I could go back to Oklahoma and probably do a lot better uh, than I'm doing here. <laughs> but that does remind me also, like whenever I, when I was uh, telling some of my bar regulars that I was moving to New York City, they were like, "Nope, no, you're not. Never going to happen." <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? No, that's driving me to want to do that more." And I've been here 11 years now. There that's, have been times that's what it does. Somebody tells you you yeah. can't do it, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. You can't make uh, a, a balloon filled with Ramos Gin Fizz air. Like, <laughs> no, I'm gonna find out how. Um, 
That, that's the dumbest thing I think I've ever said on the air. Uh, yeah, man. Sorry about that. That was stupid. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Check that one off your bucket list. Yeah, we can edit that in post, right, Liz? <laughs> <laughs> that was a new sound effect. I like it. Do you have like a? Do you have like a? Show me else. What else you have back there? Oh, nice. All right, this is turning. <laughs> Why are you just now showing me this? It's amazing. My mind is blown. Um, <laughs> okay, so back on track. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so we talked a lot about the mixing glass, which is awesome. Um, you guys also started producing uh, Lewis bags and ice mallets, uh, yeah. which are badass. Uh, outside of bar tools, I just love just tools in general. Uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. The, I, uh, the mallet, hammers. actually, the, the design for the for our ice crushing mallet was from an 1800s log cabin uh, log cabin building manual. Um, it's uh, one of the almost exact designs used to drive the wooden dowels into the logs to hold the cabin together. That's so fucking uh, Portland, man. <laughs> it, it, it totally is. And my my buddy Nate, um, he made one just kind of off the cuff, and I was just like, "Holy shit, that's a nice mallet!" And uh, yeah, and the production just started, and yeah, they're freaking gorgeous, man. And the, the whole premise of a lot of those things, a lot of the tools we do, is you know, like a lot of bar, a lot of bartenders will we, they keep stuff down below, like on a shelf where nobody can see it, especially like Lewis bags and you know things like that. And we just really wanted to make products that you know that we were proud of, that like you would be proud to put behind your bar. Like it, it's a conversation piece, and it's something beautiful as well as damn functional. Yeah, you know, and that's you're absolutely right, man, because. Like I said before, with the mixing glass, I, I get into conversations a lot about bar tools, and it's it's something that should be displayed. Like I, I like to like have my my tool roll up and like roll it out on top of the bar when I'm setting it up in front mm-hmm. of the customers, and it's like everything in there looks good. Like yeah. it's it's like photo ready, you know, and but yeah. like functional, but like photo ready, and like something to talk about. And the Lewis bag itself, man, it's freaking hardcore man it's like the thickest canvas i think i've ever yep. experienced in my life american canvas yeah we uh we got tired of them blowing out and you know like just uh, a lot of other lewis bags you got it for like a month if you're using it real heavy and we're like you know what we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot from a business standpoint but let's make one that will last as long as it possibly can yeah, and uh you know yet again it goes back to just being a bartender and tired of stuff breaking on you all the time we're like all right let's make this as durable as we can so we don't gotta you know buy a new one every month yeah man i've actually used it a few times for events i'll just like like if i'm just taking like uh a smaller amount of tools i'll use that and just like roll my tools up in it too it works nice. great yeah it works great man um uh it well also works great as a bag to carry the mixing glass and to like insulate it if you're putting in like your your backpack or something um but yeah i mean like i th- i think i think the yeah the overall like idea of like your your company is like they're very like extremely functional they're meant to be like tested in the field and yeah. to last a long time and i think that's great man you want to hang on to these things for a long time yeah I- yeah we're proud of them you know it's like something that just you know you could pass it on or something that you can have on your shelf you know when you if you ever do retire from bartending or you know just something something that's just a gorgeous piece and i mean i love them for everything you look around my house it's hysterical i got like prototypes and chipped ones that have like venus fly traps in them and my lovely lady turned a bunch into terrariums they're <laughs> they're pretty rad that's awesome that's that's a better use than filling it with a bunch of ink pens and paper clips 
Get rid of fruit flies, man. I'm telling you. Put a Venus flytrap in a bull and China mixing glass and put it on your bar. You won't have fruit flies anymore. For real? For real. <laughs> I've tried everything. Um. <laughs> nah, we'll always have, everybody will always have fruit flies. There's no getting rid of those. That's, that's true. That's, hey, you know what? That's the next thing you should invent. <laughs> <laughs> right? Light bulb's going off right now. Yeah. Do you have a sound effect for that, Liz? <laughs> I'll cut you in on that. Yeah. Sweet. Um, yeah, man. So what's com- actually, what is coming up next for, uh, for Bull in China? Uh, what's coming up next is um, that you can talk uh, about. Our bitters bottles will be hitting soon. You already see, you've seen the Dasher tops. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, the Dasher tops, we, you know, that was kind of a really last minute kind of awesome mistake. Uh, I wouldn't actually say a mistake. It was, uh, I showed one Dasher top from a bitters bottle to our awesome metal guy at CNL Tooling here in Portland. And I was like, yeah, we want to replicate something like this, but make it lifelong. And he called us, I think, three days later and was like, I think I made exactly what you're looking for. And we walked in. Mine was blown. He made them out of titanium for us at first, for the prototype, because so he just had titanium laying around. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, he just got titanium laying around. No big deal. And, uh, yeah, they're amazing. 26 dashes per half ounce across the board, regardless of the volume of liquid in your bitters bottle. You'll still get the same dash every single time. Wow. That's and it's, uh, yeah, they're lifelong, man. It was, uh, we're pretty stoked on those. And then we, we plan on having a whole line of tools with, as soon as we can. We don't want to rush it because, you know, if we're, not, uh, if we're not totally satisfied with it, it's not going to hit the market. But um, in, in the near future, we'd like to have an entire line of tools and in our own bar roll-up. Awesome, man. And then, you know, we, we're doing a lot of consulting lately, and uh, we've got a lot of really fun projects going on. And... You know, we're working with just a lot of great companies, and every day doors are opening and new things are happening. So I really cannot tell you where the heck we're going to be in a year. Yeah, well, it's it's exciting to me, man, and uh, all the best to you, man. I, I really psyched on on everything you guys are doing. It's really fucking cool. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man. And for all the listeners out there, um, for the next few days, you can actually get a nice little discount promo code through my bar grand army uh if you go to the website bullinchinapdx.com you can do your shopping there for christmas gifts for me uh <laughs> and uh, when you go to the checkout you can enter grand army g-r-a-n-d-a-r-m-y could that that's i can't even spell my own bar name um <laughs> And uh, that'll get you set through uh, Black Friday. So, uh, and I appreciate you guys working with us on that, man. That's really, really sweet of you. Yeah, no problem. Heck yeah, man. Okay, man. It's unfortunately we're at the end of the show. Uh, next time we do this, man, let's do it in person. All right? Yeah, let's do it. Let's link up soon, brother. Yeah, I think my band's going to be on the West Coast touring uh, in January, so we might try and do a show up north. Do it. Y'all got a place to crash. All right. Sounds good, brother. Very nice to talk to you again, and I will see you as soon as possible. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Luke, cheers. Later, brother. Listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>